What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. Today, we got All-Star Talk. Yesterday, on Thursday, they announced the All-Star Reserves for the Eastern Conference as well as the Western Conference. Now, before we get into that, before we start breaking that down, we got to talk about some trade deadline stuff. Immediately, we just got a trade that just went down a couple hours ago. The Los Angeles Clippers, as well as the Portland Trailblazers, got involved in a five-team deal where Norman Powell and Robert Covington went over to the Los Angeles Clippers, as well as to the Blazers, Justice Winslow, first-round pick Keon Johnson, and Eric Bledsoe, including a 2025 second-round pick, head over to the Blazers. Um, I have absolutely no idea why the Blazers would make this deal, unless you are just regretting the Norman Powell trade. This, to me, strikes full-on rebuild. I think this is a full move that's going to lead on to more moves down the road for the Blazers. You're going to see CJ McCollum get moved, potentially Yusuf Nurchich. I think they're just going to go and blow it up, and they're going to keep, essentially, Dame Lillard and Simons, hope to get a top pick, and hope to compete next year. But that's the only way you do this. You don't get anything of value in. Bledsoe's contract is pretty much up next year. It's not guaranteed. Winslow is a decent bench forward, I guess, and that's pretty much it. Keon Johnson's a solid flyer, very athletic. He's only 20 years old, so I guess that's a decent pickup in return. I just don't see how this is really anything of value. The Clippers get themselves a steal. Norm Powell is 6'3", with a 6'3". 10 wingspan. He is a defensive monster. He's the perfect two guard to pair next to Paul George as well as Kawhi Leonard once they come back. He's locked under contract under a five-year $90 million deal. A very good price for a very good scoring guard who can average 18 to 20 points a game and fits perfectly into the system. Top of the hat off. Like I have no idea why this went down, but whatever. Now, huge news. Granted, it's only speculation, but I touched on this before on one of my trade deadline posts that the Brooklyn Nets were interested in flipping James Harden for Ben Simmons, and that is potentially coming to life. Woj and Shams have now talked about it. It is talking and it is moving. You have potential that the Sixers want to move Ben Simmons over to the Nets, and the Nets are open to moving James Harden because they don't believe that he is going to want to stay past this season. That is massive. Potentially seeing a James Harden Joel Embiid partnership, as well as Tyrese Maxey in the backcourt, would be amazing to watch. And I think the Ben Simmons just slides right into there defensively as a playmaker, a secondary adjuster, and can run in transition with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I think it's a match made in heaven for both teams. I would love to see how they kind of figure out the money, how they figure out you know the side pieces, who gives side picks, who gives second-round picks, first-round picks, whatever the rest is. I can honestly see Seth Curry going with Ben Simmons because obviously Ben Simmons' value has completely tanked. So I think that adding a outstanding shooting guard and Seth Curry, who fits great in this offense as well, off the bench, starting however you want to put it. I think he'd be great for that team as well. And I think that would kind of close the deal on it. But something's going to give, and you're going to start to see some great movement and trade deadline. We were about just just under a week away heading to the trade deadline, and it is so, so much fun to think about it. Uh, next Friday in our episode, we're going to be bringing on my buddy Sean. We're going to be talking about the trade deadline and breaking down every single trade that goes down. So be on the lookout for that. And now... Let's get into some all-star talk. Starting off with the Eastern Conference, we're going to pretty much go player by player and kind of make the case for them being an all-star or potentially not being an all-star, as well as if it just makes sense. We're going to go over some stubs for each, each conference, so let's hop into the Eastern Conference. Uh, first, a first-time all-star, Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet has been playing out of his mind, and it's so good to see him step up in Kyle Lowry's departure, what he's been able to do in being the engine of the Toronto Raptors with all the trees that they have and the big men like Scotty Barnes, OG Anunoby, Pascal Siasim, 
Precious Achua, and he is an offensive hub himself. It's crazy. He's averaging 21 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. He's really set up as a playmaker and being that initial ball handler. And what's probably impressed me the most, his three-point shooting is fantastic. He is second in the league just behind Steph Curry in three-pointers made per game. He's averaging just under 10 attempts per game, and he's shooting 39%. That is insane volume. And to be able to make just under 40%, he is an absolutely, no-doubt, elite shooter. Uh, I, the guards are just so, so strong, and I really think it's a crapshoot. I mean, I'm happy that Fred Van Vliet got in. I mean, you have guys like LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland, Trey Young, just the point guards in the Eastern Conference are absolutely stacked. So, unfortunately, someone's going to have to miss. Plus, once Kyrie comes back full-time, like it's going to be a dogfight for years to come in the Eastern Conference. So, Fred VanVleet, I'm super happy to see him go from an undrafted player to hop into the All-Star game to finally get that recognition. He deserves it, so I'm happy to see Fred in this All-Star game. So, I think he deserves it, and I don't think he's a snub at all. Uh, next up, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has missed some time this year with a little bit of injury, with some COVID concerns. But when he's playing, you can argue that if he plays all 82 games, he's an MVP candidate. What he does for the Miami Heat cannot go unnoticed. Obviously, he's one of the best, I would argue, top five two-way players in the game. I think he's incredible. I think he's right up there with the Kawhi Leonard's, with the Giannis Antetokounmpo's from a pure two-way perspective. He's an all-NBA defender. What he can do as a playmaker, how he stepped up and how he fits his offense, 22 points per game, six boards, six rebounds. He can guard one through four and just be an incredible player. His jump shot has improved. He's shooting just about 34%. It's not elite. It's not really average but for him to really have never gotten that jump shot to shooting just 34 percent you have to contest it he can shoot pretty well off the dribble his mid-range is fantastic and just his overall body of work being a six foot six six foot seven small forward of what he's been able to do it's so great to see jimmy butler just playing at his level and where the miami heat are i think when you really look at how the miami heat have played this year they really go through jimmy he's the energy he's the heart and soul of this team and with all the injuries that his entire team of the next man up mentality and to have the Miami Heat as the number two seed in the East, that carries so much weight. You can make an argument as well for Bam and Abayo, but I think he's missed way too much time. So Jimmy absolutely deserves to be an all-star here in the Eastern Conference. You can make the argument that he deserves to be a starter, but I think having him as a reserve and just being here is just enough credit in the world. Next up, James Harden. James Harden is a very interesting character here because when you think of James Harden, you think of, in my opinion, Houston Rockets James Harden. You think of MVP, triple-double James Harden, and he is kind of back to his ways here. He's averaging 22 points, 8 boards, 10 assists. He's second in the league in assists behind Chris Paul. And he just doesn't look the same. And he's 32 years old. He's heading to free into this year. And there are a lot of questions of if his style is going to be able to last. Like, you look at Steph at this age, you look at KD at this age, you look at these like all-time players. You know, Being an MVP, he's put himself in that conversation of an all-time player, obviously, as the offensive hub that he's been able to be. And I just don't know how long he's going to be able to sustain it. Um, I was kind of shocked that he was named an All-Star this year, just based on how inefficient he's been. He's shooting in the mid-30s from three. Uh, he's shooting 41% from the field. He's shooting a great percentage from the free throw line, obviously, shooting just under 88%. But his turnovers, he's second in the league in turnovers behind Russell Westbrook, which they kind of just go back and forth all the time. I'm just not too sure that he really deserves to be here because I do think that a lot of them are empty stats. I think he just fills up the stat sheet. He is able to do whatever he wants to do in that sense. But how much does he really impact winning? You know, how much is he impacting the Nets winning versus a guy like LaMelo Ball? 
And I think that conversation could definitely be made right now. And not saying James Harden's not a good player, but I think that you are starting to see the deterioration of James Harden. And I think that you can make the argument for a player like Lamella Ball who did miss out. Um, but I do think that James Harden should not have made this all-star team. I think it should have gone to a player like a Lamella or even like if you want to go for a forward aspect, you're going to touch on him later, um, like a Jared Allen or a Pascal Siakam. I think they both would be a great fit here. Uh, next up, Zach Levine. Zach Levine, in my book, I had him actually starting at the shooting guard position. I think Zach Levine has been incredible for the number one team in the East. You look at what he's able to do, 25 points, four boards, four assists. He is amazing. He's incredible. And he's on pace for a 50-40-90 season. The volume of threes that he's shooting, you know, the defense that he's able to step up and play and guard the opponent's best perimeter player, pairing with Lonzo Ball, pairing with Alex Caruso, and really holding down. And at certain times, he plays small forward. And that is something that if you were to say last year or even two years ago that Zach Levine was going to play some minutes at small forward and actually have a plus rating on the defensive end, uh, I would have called you absolutely fucking insane. But what he's been able to do stepping up and playing into that role, and now he's starting to be in that two-way conversation. Like For me, that's why I put him above like a Devin Booker type of when he impacts that winning. I think if you flip Devin Booker and Zach Levine, I think Levine has a chance to take the Suns to the next level. I think just he's that good of a player, and I think Levine absolutely deserves a spot. I think, again, the argument can be made for him to be a starter in this conversation if you want to be you know all actual and literal of the sense of two guards, and three forwards, then obviously DeMar would move to the bench, and then Levine would step into the starting lineup. But Levine absolutely deserves to be an all-star here, and the Bulls have their number one and their number one B guy over here. And great job to Zach, and great job for DeMar. This one I have absolutely no agreement with whatsoever, and that is Chris Middleton. I have all the respect in the world for Chris Middleton and what he does, and obviously he's an NBA champion and a former all-star as well. But what has he done this year that screams all-star he's averaging 19 points four boards four assists and he's just going through the motions he's playing good basketball he's hitting mid-range shots he's hitting open threes um when he when him giannis and drew holiday play they only have four losses together on the season when all three of them are together but he just is completely outplayed by his running mate drew holiday has been playing better than him all season then you start to incorporate the guards like the mellow ball a forward like miles bridges a forward like Jared Allen, even a rookie forward like Evan Mobley of what he's been able to do on the two-way game. like That's just four or five players right there that have already outplayed him. And I just don't see on earth besides looking at his past and saying, oh, he was an all-star, so I guess we'll throw him in there. Chris Middleton does not deserve to be in the spot. He does not deserve to be in the all-star game. He has not. He does not put up all-star numbers. He hasn't looked like it. He hasn't fit anything. So remove Chris Middleton, get him out. And get somebody who's going to be a human highlight reel. I want to see dunks. I want to see flashy plays. Give me Miles Bridges up and down the court, catching new alley oops all day. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see Chris Milton. Sorry, bud. Next up, Jason Tatum. It's a shame, unfortunately, because because of how the Celtics season has turned out, and they haven't been able to really tie it together and compete to winning. That Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, unfortunately, don't get a chance to make the all-star team together because they both have been fantastic. Jason Tatum is averaging 26, eight boards, four assists, has started to slowly step up his playmaking now that him and Jalen are starting to really, really mesh together. And it sucks because Jalen Brown is literally putting up incredible numbers. And what he's been able to do, he's averaging 24 points, six boards, and four assists, which is 
significantly better than a player like Chris Middleton. But because the Bucks have been a much better winner, I guess that's what they're weighing. And to me, that shouldn't count. I want the best players. I want the players that are putting up the best numbers and the ones that are competing at the highest level. I want Jalen Brown over Chris Middleton. That's who deserves to be in. And I wish that I could see that, but I am happy for Jason Tatum. He is stepping up and starting to step into that category of, okay, he is a constant all-star. He was an all-star starter last year. And does he make that step into, you know, that second team all-NBA tier? You know, third team all-NBA is great. Obviously, being an all-NBA player is fantastic, but like he has so much weight on his shoulders. Does he make that leap? Does he step up into that top tier, that upper echelon of players like Julius Randle did last year, where he just absolutely skyrocketed to the second team all NBA. I think that we could potentially see that from Jason Tatum in that second half of the season. If the Celtics turn it around, get themselves out of the playing spot and start fighting for that four or five seed, we could see Jason Tatum fighting for that second team all NBA spot. And I would not be surprised whatsoever. A person near and dear to my heart, the very last Eastern conference all-star spot goes to first time all-star Darius Garland, Darius Garland, has been amazing. He has taken everything. He's been the engine. He's been incredible. He's gone toe-to-toe with these top-tier point guards like John Morant, Kyrie Irving, LaMelo Ball, Fred Van Vliet, and he has come in on top a lot of the times. He is so effective, and since Ricky Rubio has gone down, his numbers have increased. He's been averaging 24 points and over 10 assists, and those are the numbers that you can see him sustaining. The What he's able to do from a ball-handling standpoint, he has that thing on a rope. He has an incredible IQ. He has a great jump shot. He's only going to get better. This is, in my opinion, the first of many All-Stars, but like I said, that guard spot is a dog fight. Seeing him LaMelo Ball, even veterans like Drew Holiday and Kyrie Irving, they're going to be fighting for these spots for a long time, and there is so much talent in this Eastern Conference. It is so much fun to watch. I am super excited as a fan just to be a part of it and be able to watch it, but really happy that Darius Garland was able to get it. Now, we touched on a couple snubs already, like Drew Holiday, who's absolutely fantastic from a two-way game. There is no argument in my mind. He is the best defensive guard Bar none, what he was able to do against Chris Paul in the NBA Finals last year solidified that for me. Of They lost the first two games. Mike Budenholzer challenged Drew Holiday and said, pick up Chris Paul full court the entire game. He did it for four games straight. They went on a four-game win streak. That changed the entire series. He is that kind of player that he can impact it. He's an all-NBA talent to me. Drew Holiday absolutely deserves it over a player like Chris Middleton. He should be in this game. Jared Allen, um, they don't have a single center backing up at all in this all-star game. I think Jared Allen has proven that he is in the top two, top three of centers in the Eastern Conference. You can make the argument of him or Bam at a bio. I think from a defensive standpoint, Jared Allen needs to be in that conversation from an efficient standpoint and what he's been able to do in this Cleveland Cavaliers turnaround. He should be in that conversation also over a player like Chris Middleton. And also Kevin Durant is going to be missing the game due to injury, so he could be an injury sub as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that looks like. And the last one's LaMelo Ball. Damn, is he fun to watch. And damn, is he good. 20 points, 7 boards, 7 assists. He's one of three players in the NBA that have that stat line. DeJounte Murray as well as Luka Doncic. So he's a human highlight reel. You want those players to be in this game. They're fun to watch. You want to put on a show. Let these players get in. If it comes close, I'm sorry. If the vote comes down to Chris Middleton or LaMelo Ball, this shouldn't be a conversation. It should be every single vote goes to LaMelo Ball just because that man's going to put on a show. He's going to get the fans involved. He's going to get everybody watching. He's going to make you 
get to the edge of your seat because you don't know what he's going to do next. And that's what I want for the All-Star game. It's an exhibition game. Who gives a shit who wins? There's no home field advantage like it's baseball where they actually care about winning. Yeah, they're competitive, but I want to see fun. I want to see enjoyment. I want to, I'm thinking back to the early 2000s where the players wore their team's jerseys and back when AI was playing and Stephon Marbury and Jason Kidd. Like, that's what I want. I want that kind of energy when I watch an All-Star game. I don't want to see Chris Milton pull it from mid-range and then slowly backpedal to the opposite court. I don't want that. I want LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges dunking on everybody in sight. And that is the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference is absolutely stacked with talent. And I think overall, when it comes to naming the Western Conference reserves, I think they pretty much got it right. I think besides maybe one player being snubbed, in my opinion, I think from top to bottom, I think it looks pretty damn good. Starting off at the top, Chris Paul. The argument can be made for Chris Paul that he should have been a starter, but John Morant is an absolute fan favorite. He's who the fans want to see, him and Steph Curry. They're going to put on an absolute show. Chris Paul, from a winning perspective, from an analytics perspective, and what he's been able to do to get the Suns in the position that they're in, yes, he is arguably one of the best point guards in the league, if not a top three point guard, but from a, this is an exhibition game. They want to see a show. Give me John Moran, Steph Curry, Chris Paul averaging 15 points, 10 assists, and two steals. He is everything for this All-Star game. His pedigree, he's the point guard. Get him in this game. He's a reserve, and that's all right. His running bait, Devin Booker. In my opinion, this needs to be positionless. I want to see the best five players from the conference start, and I want to see the best five players at all times. Andrew Wiggins shouldn't be anywhere near this All-Star game. He shouldn't be sniffing it. He shouldn't be a reserve. He shouldn't be a starter. Unless you are a member of the Golden State Warriors organization or a fan of the organization, that is the only people who think Andrew Wiggins should be in this All-Star game. Absolutely fucking not. Not a chance in hell. He's taken away that spot from, in my opinion, the biggest snub is DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray misses this game, averaging 20 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists. You're out of your mind if you think that those numbers and what he's been able to do from an analytics standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, what he's been able to do over Andrew Wiggins is insane. Chris Paul's running mate, Devin Booker, 25 points, 5 boards, 4 assists for the number one team in the West. Absolutely should be starting over Andrew Wiggins. But he deserves to be an all-star. He deserves to be a reserve. Devin Booker deserves to be here. He is stepping up. I think he's still just not good defensively. I think he's being covered up fantastically by Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. I don't think he's a liability. But if he really wants to be a true, true, like, top-level shooting guard and be in those those kind of conversations and those MVP conversations that if he ever wants to do that, do what Zach Levine has done. You know, I, I, I will always compare Zach Levine and Devin Booker in those conversations because of, of they're just so similar in players. They're just attack scoring minded players who are secondary playmakers who haven't been able to take that leap. And I'm seeing Zach Levine take that leap. I'm seeing him from a scoring perspective, from an off ball perspective, from a shooting perspective, from a defensive perspective, do things that Devin Booker just hasn't done yet. And yes, Booker has made it farther in his professional career from a winning standpoint. But I think if you were to flip-flop Zach Levine and Devin Booker, you could see potentially a championship in Phoenix. That's how strongly I feel that Zach Levine is better than Devin Booker, just because of the effort that he's put in. And Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is trying his best to fight modern basketball. He's this long, lanky center. He's getting played off the court a lot, but... Regular season Rudy is fantastic. He's great at what he does. 16 points, 
15 boards, two and a half blocks a game. He is a top five PER in the game from a regular season perspective. Rudy's fantastic. He can anchor a defense by himself. When he's on the court, the Jazz have a top three defense in the NBA. When he's off the court, they have a bottom three defense in the NBA. It's a insane swing. It's a historical swing. Rudy Gobert will go down as one of the best defenders, statistically wise, in the NBA history. The only problem is the second, the second that you step foot into the playoffs, it is a whole new game. It's a whole new game. They are going to pick you apart for seven games in a row, and they're going to small ball you to death. They're going to run Rudy to the three-point line. They're going to absolutely body you in that perspective, and Rudy Gobert becomes a complete and utter liability. Teams don't do it in the regular season because they just don't care. Once you get to the playoffs, it is a whole new world, and the Utah Jazz have absolutely no idea how to fix that. Rudy Gobert can make all the all-star appearances he wants. He has gone from three years ago crying because he didn't make the all-star team. Clearly, this is important to him. Bravo, Rudy. Three years in a row. All the power to you. But until... He's able to make the adjustments, slim down. I have no idea what he needs to do, but the Utah Jazz won't be going too far. But good for Rudy. Luka Doncic, man. Luka Doncic. 26, 9, and 9. The Mavs are the number 5 seed. The Mavs run through Luka Doncic. Luka's starting to get himself in the MVP talk. He's in the top 10 when it comes to the NBA's rankings. It's super exciting. Luka's incredible. He's an incredible talent. He can do anything. His shooting numbers are absolutely atrocious this year. He's only shooting 42%. He's only shooting 33% from the three-point line. He's shooting just under 80% from the free-throw line. His turnovers are pretty high at 3.7. But the numbers that he's putting up are fantastic. He has turned it around completely. He is a absolute average on defense. He's using his size to his advantage, and he's slowing the game down, and he's reading it better, which is awesome. And you're seeing it. You're seeing the, the effort being put in on defense, which is awesome. And that's why you've seen the Mavs be able to impact, because playing next to a guy like Jalen Brunson, who's a smaller point guard, and Tim Hardaway Jr., who isn't necessarily the most defensively inclined. So it's exciting to see Luka kind of take a little bit more initiative on that side. And I think by getting him a little bit more off the ball on offense and having him attack more instead of taking plays off, you're going to start to see more energized Luka Doncic on defense. But from an all-star perspective, like he's just amazing. He's who you want to see. Like, you you pay to watch it if you're a fan going to this game. Like I want to see Luka Doncic in this game. And it's exciting. He, he absolutely, absolutely deserves to be here. Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert's arch nemesis. And it's so funny to say that because they're on the same team. All the reports are coming out that they hate each other again, that it's passive-aggressive, it's awkward, and a breakup's coming soon. Get Donovan Mitchell the hell out of Utah. Because unfortunately, for some reason, I see them trading Donovan and not Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell is so, so cool. 25 points, 4 boards, 5 assists. He's in that conversation. I think he's a tier under Devin Booker. He's a tier under Zach Levine. He's a tier under, in my opinion, even a Jalen Brown. But he can open it up so much. I personally think he's a point guard. I think he is a combo just like Dame Lillard. You need to put the ball in his hands. He's only 6'1". He's having to guard all these bigger wings. Put him at point guard. Let him rock. But he's playing with Mike Connolly. Give him the give him the keys. Give him the ball. Let him run. Let him do anything he wants with the ball. He is your franchise. Get Rudy Gobert off this team. Let Donovan Mitchell rock, and you will see an explosive Donovan Mitchell. He is incredible. He is an athletic freak for his size. 6'1". He deserves being in this All-Star game. He is fantastic. Carl Anthony Towns. 
the surprising Minnesota Timberwolves. They're in the seventh seed right now. They're a young, spry team led by Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. They got a great duo, a great partnership going on. Cat's besties over here, like D'Angelo Russell's a little, a little jealous. He's like, it should be me. Carl Anthony Towns is putting up great numbers. He's called himself one of the best big man shooters of all time, if not the best big man shooter of all time. And he's putting up great numbers. He's a career 36% three-point shooter, which is fantastic for a big man. He's shooting 38% this year. He's 24 points, 10 boards. Averaging four assists, he's starting to get a little bit more in the playmaking. He's a great passer out of the post. He's not a Sabonis-level passer or a Jokic-level passer, but it's nice to see him getting a lot more involved in that offense, which is incredible. And I think when you get him in that pick-and-pop role, he can really use his side size to read the court a lot better. And it's awesome. I think it's impacted winning. Until he gets a lot more involved on the defensive side and throws his weight around and is able to contest and block shots more, that's when you see the Timberwolves make that step up. But until he does that, I think that they are going to be constantly a playing team, a lower-end team like that, or they go out and match his offense with a defensive player, potentially like a Ben Simmons. Hmm. Could be fantastic. Would be amazing to watch. I'd love to see that pairing. I think that'd be incredible across the board. It's a great balance. But if the Timberwolves are able to make that, then we'll see come to the trade deadline. But Carl Anthony Towns absolutely deserves to be an all-star here. Last but not least, the... Ben Wallace of all-star teams, the non-stat hero. Eight points, seven boards, seven assists. And we all know who I'm talking about, Draymond Green. Draymond Green, a top five defensive player of all time. He is absolutely amazing. He can guard one through five. He can do whatever, whenever on the basketball court. He is a unicorn of a basketball player. He can do what he wants, when he wants. He can run point guard. He can run small forward. He can play power forward, center, anything you need him to do. He just really can't shoot, which is fine. He knows his role. He knows what he needs to do. I love Draymond, and I love that these type of players get rewarded. That you put the effort in, you put in, you don't have to fill the box score. You don't have to, you know, be a 30-point player game. You don't have to be a 25-point player game or grab 17 boards like Rudy Gobert. It's like his impact is so beyond the box score, and you see it, and he absolutely deserves to be here. He 100% deserves to be here. He, unfortunately, will not be playing due to injury, but tip your hat off to Draymond Green. He is an all-star again and well-deserved. I really only had one snub, and I really kind of talked about it with DeJounte Murray. I think he is an incredible talent. I think he deserves to be here. He's starting to show that star potential. He just doesn't really have a jump shot, and I hope that with Draymond missing the game, that DeJounte Murray will step up and be that all-star. Uh, you can make the argument for Anthony Davis. Unfortunately, I don't think he's played enough games. He's only played in 32 games so far this season. Uh, he's been pretty good with 24 points, 10 boards, and 2 blocks. His shooting has not been good. He's shooting 51% from the field, but... Just under 20% from the three-point line. Not fantastic. But he's been getting a lot more aggressive on the offensive end. And he's trying to be that hub in the paint. Vogel is playing him exclusively at center. He is not pairing him with Dwight Howard. He is playing center the entire time. Which I think is going to really unlock this defense. As well as pairing him with shooters. Which should help him grow in the long run. But I think he's perfectly fine missing the All-Star game right now. He just has too many injuries and too many games missed. So, that's the Western Conference. The All-Star Game is here. It's going to be so much fun to watch. I appreciate you guys coming by, listening to the breakdown. Hopefully it all made sense. I'm super excited to watch it. Slam dunk contest should be fun. It's always entertaining, except for last season. Three-point contest. The whole the whole 
arena. It's a great time to get involved. Just watch and be a fan. Just take a step back. No bias and just just enjoy some good basketball. Uh, that wraps it up for episode 17. Like I said, I'm doing the trade deadline special, so be sure to check it out on Instagram as well as TikTok. YouTube is coming up soon, and just be sure to be on the lookout. Check us out on Spotify. If you enjoy everything going on, give us a comment. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want to talk about. Give us five stars, and we'll see you guys next time.